What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we start a new series that will last until Lent. We are looking at the precedent, the example we set for others. Every year I invite people to share suggestions for sermons, and one that came up multiple times was setting the right example for our children. So that's where we begin our journey for the precedent. In a moment, David is going to read for us a scripture from 1 Timothy. This letter is probably from the Apostle Paul, but most likely he is using a scribe or ghost writer who has spent time sitting and talking to Paul while he is in prison and then writing what he says later. As we heard last week, Paul was put under arrest for several years because of his boldness in proclaiming Jesus Christ. He is writing to a friend and young man, Timothy, who is leading the church in Ephesus. By the way, one day Timothy would become the bishop in Ephesus, so clearly Paul's instructions here have an impact. As we explore the precedent we want to set for others, let's listen to what Paul has to share with this young church leader from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-16. through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now the Spirit expressly says, in later times, some will renounce the faith by paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected provided it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. If you put these instructions before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with the profane myths and old wives' tales. Train yourself in godliness, for while physical training is of some value, Godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and struggle, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. These are the things you must insist on and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you through prophecy, with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice, devote yourself to them, so that all may see your progress. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And from Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of everyone, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray as we begin. 
Lord, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ as we seek the way to be the right example for others. Open us up, God. Help us to practice the habits and patterns that will transform not only us, but the people around us we seek to influence for the good. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For many people, being a good parent is one of their most important jobs. Sadly, not everyone is up to the task. I remember when I was a teenager, my family was taking a trip down to Florida. It was actually the very first time that we were going to Disney World, so there was definitely some excitement in the air. But the whole trip was about to turn on one moment. As we were loading up to head to the airport, someone said something. To this day, no one remembers what it was, but it was enough to irk my mom. And she said in frustration, that's it. I'm not your mother anymore. Now, if there is one thing that's true in my family, it's that we can take a comment or a joke and take it to its absolute extreme. We all laughed when she said this and then took her very, very literally. We anointed my brother Rick to be our new mother, and every day, multiple times a day, we would ask our new mother if we were allowed to do something. When my dad would say, I don't know, go ask your mother, we would inevitably turn to Rick and ask him. Somehow, after an entire week of doing this, my mom didn't understand what was going on. She hardly noticed that we stopped asking for things from her. I think maybe she even liked not being our mother anymore. And to this day, when we talk about this week where she wasn't our mother anymore, she says she doesn't remember any of that. I love my mom very much, and I think she's always done her best at parenting. But for one week, I think it was clear she enjoyed getting a break from the job. Knowing me and my siblings, I am not surprised by that one bit. Uh, On the other side, though, are those who are too zealous, too over the top with their parenting. I came across a few examples this week I'd like to share. One was from this past Mother's Day, but it definitely bears repeating. It goes like this. Happy Mother's Day to the woman who called the cops on me when she didn't find me in my room sleeping in the middle of the night and thought I snuck out of the house. I was downstairs in the kitchen eating cereal and also 22 years old. A little over the top, isn't it? It's not just moms, though. Dads can certainly do the same. A few years ago, a dad down in Texas decided he was going to test his child's security system at the elementary school, so he told staff he brought a gun to school. He walked into the building and told various people, you're dead, because their response was too slow to his threat. But it turns out doing that kind of thing is completely illegal. It is definitely a crime. He was arrested by police and held on $75,000 bail. That is definitely not the right way to try and protect your child. These examples remind us that it can be so difficult to be a parent, to be tough enough but not too tough, to set the right example for your child but but by not giving up like my mom did for a week or going too far like some of these other parents did. Of course, this is not just about parenting either. Though people ask for preaching on parenting, it's also about grandparents and other relatives. It's also about friends and co-workers, mentors and Sunday school teachers. How do we get it right when it comes to setting a precedent? 
giving the right example for others. Part of the problem here is that what works for one person may not work for another. I can think of plenty of parents who think they're excellent because one of their children is outstanding. Their other child, though, well, let's not talk about that, right? Uh, The problem with the other child was them, not me, we say. My favorite is when a mom or dad has a first child and everything is great. Being a new parent can be nerve-wracking, so when it's going well with the first child, you feel validated, like you got it right and you know what you're doing. Then the second child comes along and breaks all the rules. I'm not naming any particular people, but it was definitely my sister-in-law. And right there is an inflection point. Some say, it's them, it's all them. They are the problem. If that were true, then we're all done here. There's nothing more for us to do if the problem is always someone else. But perhaps, just maybe, there is more for us to learn that will help us set the right precedent for others. The Apostle Paul certainly set a good example for Timothy, so let's look at what he did. What did Paul do that helped a young boy, Timothy, at probably 16 years old, go from curious follower of Jesus, just entering adulthood, to bishop of the church? Clearly, Paul did something right. What was it? In this chapter of 1 Timothy, Paul is talking about something called asceticism. It was this practice of discipline to stay away from any earthly pleasure. To them, spiritual goals were the only ones to be pursued. And what does Paul say about it? Does he commend people for rejecting pleasure? Absolutely not. He says this rejection of common practices from getting married to eating good food is not godly. Instead, in verse 4, he says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected, provided it is received with thanksgiving. Folks that tell you the world is full of evil, and you need to stay away from everyone and everything because it will lead you down a bad path, are wrong. What God created is declared good, and that means it's not what you get, it's how you get it. Do you have an open attitude? Do you receive what the world has to offer with thanks, or are you moaning and complaining about everything that happens to you? I know that's a word uh, I need to hear today. I know I need this. It's too easy to complain, to say only spiritual things matter and everything else is bad. Paul wants us to celebrate all that life offers and to have a balance between the spiritual and the earthly. Both of these things matter. So it's good to kick back and relax with the family. It's good to take that person you are mentoring out to lunch and just enjoy time together. It's not all work and no play. It's that each thing has its place. Paul goes on, though. We don't just consume all the good gifts from God. We do actually have to grow spiritually, too. He draws an example from the city gymnasium. Back then, they built gymnasiums for physical training in the very heart of the city. People did all their training naked, which I'm not exactly sure how to feel about that. But Paul is saying that their training is a model for us, not not the naked part. He means just as they train hard to build the body— We have to train hard to grow morally, intellectually, and spiritually. 
We can't be irrational, thinking like children. We have to grow. And then this is where Paul really clarifies what the precedent ought to be for each of us. He says in verse 12, set an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. What he's saying is that these are things we don't just do some of the time. These are all of the time activities. Every day, we are setting the example by how we behave and how we love others. The goal isn't to sometimes get it right. The goal is to always be doing these things. That's why verse 15 says, put these things into practice, devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Like a person training in a gym, no pain, no gain. You have to put the hours in to see a result. You have to do the work to grow. And I love this part. He says, you do it so all may see your progress. Paul doesn't mean be arrogant about your spirituality, but people ought to see how your growth affects how you treat them, how you love them, and how you care for them. Paul is wisely instructing Timothy in two different ways about how to do life right. One is that you shouldn't be so driven that you are like the ascetics, always working, rejecting everything that is fun and brings joy, but also you have to work at your spirituality and to put consistent effort into it. Growth doesn't just show up, it takes practice. I think the times I've grown the most spiritually, reading the Bible consistently, taking classes in college and seminary to learn from others, mission trips to help people in need, those were hard things to do, and yet how good were they for my soul? What might that look like for you? What can you do to set yourself up on a path of growth so that when things are tough, you respond the way you want to, the way God would have you? It starts with a choice that you make right now. Maybe you've never joined a small group before, or it's been a while. We have a small group in a few weeks called Stories Jesus Told, How to Read a Parable. That is something that will help all of us to read the Bible better. We are going to study that for the season of Lent. Maybe that's a good place to try something out and stretch those spiritual muscles. The goal is not all spiritual things all the time, no matter what. The goal is, no matter where you are, no matter what you are doing, to set the example in love, faith, and purity. Build up those muscles now so you have the right response later. It'll help you avoid calling the cops on your 22-year-old daughter or telling teachers at school you have a gun. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? When we've built our spiritual muscles up, it almost becomes easy to do the right thing morally and spiritually. That's the goal for all of us, doing the right thing in every situation so others can follow. If we do the right thing, then our children, our family, friends, and co-workers will follow that example. Let's end with this. While working as a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, Lee Strobel was assigned to report on the struggles of an impoverished inner-city family leading up to Christmas. Today, Lee is a famous Christian author, but back then he was an atheist. Here's what he found when he visited the family. 
The Delgados, 60-year-old Perfecta and her granddaughters Lydia and Jenny, had been burned out of their roach-infested home and were now living in a tiny two-room apartment on the west side. As I walked in, I couldn't believe how empty it was. There was no furniture, no rugs, nothing on the walls, only a small kitchen and one handful of rice. That's it. They were virtually devoid of possessions. In fact, 11-year-old Lydia and 13-year-old Jenny owned only one short-sleeved dress each plus one thin gray sweater between them. When they walked the half-mile to school through the biting cold, Lydia would wear the sweater for part of the distance and then hand it to her shivering sister who would wear it the rest of the way. But despite their poverty and the painful arthritis that kept Perfecta from working, she still talked confidently about her faith in Jesus. She was convinced he had not abandoned them. I never sensed despair or self-pity in her home. Instead, there was a gentle feeling of hope and peace. Lee finished his article and then went on to other things. But when Christmas Eve arrived, he was thinking about the Delgados again. He says, I continued to wrestle with the irony of the situation. Here was a family that had nothing but faith and yet seemed happy, while I had everything I needed materially but lacked faith, and inside I felt as empty and barren as that apartment. So he visited them again. When he arrived, he was amazed at what he saw. Readers of his article had responded to the family's needs in overwhelming fashion, filling the small apartment with donations. He found new furniture, appliances, and rugs, a large Christmas tree, and stacks of wrapped presents, bags of food, and lots of warm winter clothing. Readers had even donated cash. But it wasn't the gifts that shocked Lee. It was the family's response to those gifts. He says, As surprised as I was by this outpouring, I was even more surprised that they were getting ready to give away much of what had been given to them. When I asked Perfecta why, she replied, Our neighbors are still in need. We cannot have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would want us to do. Imagine having so little and yet giving away much of it. What an incredible example this is for grandchildren and neighbors and for the world. It can be hard to set a precedent like that for others, especially when things are tough. But the Apostle Paul reminds us we do good for others in any situation, in every situation, because we do it for Jesus. He gave his life for us, so we give ours for others, for the homeless, for the sick, for the lonely, for the parent that is overwhelmed, and for the neighbor that has nothing. We set an example of love and faith and purity in all situations because godliness is valuable in every way. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.